Well, hey everyone, my name is Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the owner and the CEO of Leaders Building Leaders. And, and Leaders Building Leaders to its core is about making a difference. And our brand is, is for principals and school leaders who desire to unlock their full potential, build meaningful relationships, and change their world while living a more empowered life. And our team of former principals, we, you know, we draw on our vast experiences to help our clients win each day while creating content and programs that will immerse them in a culture of personal and professional growth. And we do this through training, executive coaching, strategic consulting, and grant writing. So, so thank you so much for helping me live out my purpose uh, today. I know that this is some really great content that has made a significant uh, difference not only in my life, but uh, many of the leaders that I coach and train. So um, you're, I'll be sharing with you uh, practices and principles that are so critical that no matter what level of leader you currently are, because unless you live on a deserted island, everybody, where you're the only person, you're going to encounter difficult people. So uh, today you'll learn seven steps to lead and communicate with difficult people. Now, I don't have time to fully go into all seven, but I will go very deep into one of those seven, which might be the hardest and most important. Now, you know, you're saying, you know, good, because I got a massive to-do list and there's already difficult people waiting at my door wanting to talk to me right now. So now what you'll learn today, I'm telling you, you're going to be excited and enthusiastic about having those difficult conversations when this is over. And, and you know, by your next meal, I think you're going to be seeking them out rather than the other way around. Sound fair enough? So now, if you want to go really deep into all seven steps and really accelerate your leadership and communication skills, I'll, I'll tell you how you can do that uh, before the end of our call. Um, but, you know, and, and I would love to be a larger part of your leadership uh, journey. But either way, this session is going to add incredible value to you and give you the tools that you need to take that next step. So, you know, we'll take the next, you know, 15 minutes or so and, you know, dive into how the most effective leaders lead difficult adults. And, and I'll teach uh, three specific strategies on how to lead difficult adults without worry and conflict and without wasting time and energy. So um, in addition, I'm going to offer you some tools and success that I use in our daily practice to build influence and deepen understanding of the human uh, behavior. So, so actually, so, you know, just to share, I mean, since January of 2020, I, I've been the head of four different charter schools. Now, now that's not because I keep getting fired, but in those positions, um, you know, I've, I've run into many strong personalities. And this framework, the one you're going to learn today, is exactly the framework I use. Now, you should have received an email with a, with a downloadable uh, worksheet. So make sure you have that uh, with you now. If you don't have it, go back to the email and you could download it and, and that's going to help you keep focused on the call and really track those gems that are going to appear. And it's, it's not as important to write down what I share as it's to write down the thoughts that come into your awareness as you, as you listen to this uh, session. And so we'll also use this workbook to write a script uh, together for you to utilize and practice uh, today for those people that are waiting for you outside your office. So now, if there's one thing that I know for sure is that the most difficult adult to lead in my life is me. 
And as I was preparing for this session, every single challenge or characteristic that I identified was one that I've either had myself, right, or had to work hard to overcome. And, and I'm, you know, getting better every single day, right? Sometimes it's minute by minute, sometimes it's hour by hour. But, you know, remember, failure and success are partners. They go hand in hand. So you got to be gentle on yourself. Now, if this is your first time on one of our leadership uh, sessions, welcome. We're really excited and you know blessed to have you with us. So uh, let's get started, shall we? Now, let me just start with this uh, uh, disclaimer here. Nothing I say today is meant to excuse the inappropriate uh, behavior by adults. Now, the number one commonality that all of you have right now, every single day, difficult adults are coming into your building, either as employees or guests. So to get prepared for this session, I posted two uh, questions on our um, School Leadership Made a Simple private Facebook group, which many of you are, you know, maybe members. And if you're not a member, you know, search it if you're on Facebook and we would love to have you. Uh, but this first question was, what behaviors do you observe difficult adults conducting in the organization you lead or in your community? Now, looking at, at the Facebook page, you know, I got some great responses. And so let me know if any of these resonate with you specifically. You can, you know, put a comment in the chat, right? Or, or you know, like or, um, you know, whatever. Uh, so let's see. There's the uh, defensive uh, person, right? So the the I work so hard. How dare you give me feedback, person, right? I'm here late every day, and I'm here on weekends, right? So that's so that's one. Then we've got the inflexible, difficult person. So this is like, well, if the students aren't learning, it's their fault. It's not my fault. That's their mentality. Now, don't forget the fearful, difficult adult. This is the one who's afraid of change and just, you know, complaining about changes their way. There's the conflict avoider. So these, these employees talk to everyone about the challenges they're having, except the person that they're actually having an issue with. And then there was a description of a two-faced employee. And I'll call this person, if you've read Patrick Lencioni's The Ideal Team Player, the skillful politician, right? This is the one who dresses the part, talks the part in the right crowds. Then once, once you have a one-on-one -on -one or once the leader has walked away, oh my gosh, look out. <laughs> oh my, if looks could kill, right? So then there's arrogant and indifferent employees. There's the one who doesn't take responsible for their actions. Uh, there's the difficult employees who may have a past pain that hasn't been resolved and just, you know, causes bigger problems. They just can't move on and really just seem to question everything. Finally, there's the, you know, there's the stubborn, you know, the closed, the fearful and distracted employees, right? This just sounds like a fun bunch. <laughs> sounds like one of the last schools I led. Now, that's, that's some list now. I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little queasy just kind of remembering <laughs> Now, is there any of these that resonate with you specifically? Right? Go ahead and put a comment in, you know, in the chat, right? Or, um, now, the second question that I posted was, what characteristics do you typically see in difficult adults? And again, we had some really great responses. So, um, you know, unapproachable. It just seems like they're always, you know, challenged or, you know, put out by... <laughs> by you talking to them. There's this selfish, the dramatic, the insecure, the dishonest. Now, I'm sure some of you on this call, right, have some other significant examples to add. You know, feel free to drop them too in the comments. 
So what happens, so, you know, question for you, what happens if you do not identify these characteristics and address these behaviors? So, you know, to start, you know, and I've, I've shared this part of a longer story, uh, you know, before in my culture training, but it was about the time I had five teacher transitions in one middle school class, like by like November. <laughs> it's not one of my favorites to bring up. But so the transition started when our veteran science teacher uh, left the school um, for the local school system at the end of the very first quarter. It was a year round school. And so the internal hire that I made be uh, grudgingly, you know, you know, to replace her didn't last a week. She had put her hands on one of our middle school students, you know, uh, forcing him to, to sit down. And then I resorted to just moving my office into the classroom and teach the class myself. I mean, those, you know, poor kids, I got 700 on my SATs, like they, they weren't learning a thing for me. And to keep order, you know, there was also like a full time sub, right? We went, you know, back and forth when I couldn't be fully in the room. Now, 30 days later, you know, I found a strong candidate who had just moved into the area and she was definitely built for middle school. She had really strong content and strong classroom management skills. And in about two weeks, man, she had that class moving in the right direction. Now, overall, our middle school was, in, was really, you know, starting to gain some great traction and heading into a strong direction. You know, it was one of the highest performing schools in the area as a Title I school. And we, we had built some effective PLCs and, and then we had, you know, uh, you know, 90 minute, you know, cross curriculum planning sessions, um, you know, built into the schedule. It, it took some real, real pushing to get us here. And these meetings, um, you know, had established norms and non-negotiables that we had built and committed to as a team over the last year. And, and you know, re reiterated at the beginning of this uh, school year. So this new hire, I mean, she she missed all of that. Now, remember, this is maybe your first learning point. Any expectation not communicated is merely a thought, right? Any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. Well, something strange started to happen with this new uh, teacher. I mean, anytime we had a staff meeting or PLC meetings, I started to notice that she always had something going on personally that caused her to miss the meeting or, you know, to be late. And she'd, she'd you know, come, you know, running in, you know, just as I was putting the agendas out on the table or, you know, or, you know, you know, I could almost set my alarm <laughs> to her coming in with some issue. Now, despite these issues, you know, the class was coming around and students were learning and every walkthrough I uh, conducted, you know, kids, kids were learning, they were focused. I mean, occasionally we had a parent uh, complain about the level of work and accountability, but, you know, I mean, heck, this was great, you know, compared to what I dealt with uh, before. Now, I did have a student every once in a while say, you know, Dr. Miller, when you're in class, she's a different person. You know, she, she acts differently. And once you leave, I was like, come on. But then a couple of staff members kind of noted that she hadn't come to her uh, PLCs in the last month and she wasn't on time for duty. And so I had a talk with her. It was a, it was a passive aggressive talk on my part as a young administrator. And I explained our goals and how I knew she hadn't been there at the start of the year. But this is what we expected and this is what we all committed to. And she went on about the amount of work she had and how far the students were behind. I said, OK, OK, I just... Just just be sure that you're communicating with your teammates because we are a team. Well, at least that's what I wanted to uh, believe. Now, the last thing I really wanted was another transition, right, which was selfish of me. But 
you know, it was March. I mean, we were almost there. We were, you know, we were getting close to spring break. And But let me just say, it didn't get much uh, better. And in the next 30 days, our, our staff really tried hard. I mean, she had a horrific uh, personal incident. Um, her husband, who was a high school teacher local, he was crying with having child pornography on his computer, which we too were investigated. And oh gosh, there were so many signs, everybody, that I just missed. And our staff helped her move and find a new place. I mean, they really went above and uh, beyond. But her uh, demeanor really changed. And I found myself avoiding her classroom during walkthroughs. And, you know, parent complaints were mounting every day. And there was this kind of, you know, stifling atmosphere around her room. Now, I got this lengthy email from a parent about how her son was treated the day before. And, you know, the the tone of her uh, of the teacher's call and I was just like gosh I you know we're we're so close to EOGs it's just two weeks away I mean I just can't have this constant stress you know with her on campus so I had reached out to my very very trusty sub and I planned for her to come the next day and um, I knew exactly where that teacher would be uh, when I arrived because she was always at the copier first thing in the morning part of her routine so, you know, I wanted to you know, keep her away from her classroom so I could have this conversation and just kind of send her on her way. But to my surprise, she was there early. <laughs> so I had to go to her classroom and she was carrying a telephone book size of copied uh, test. I'm like, oh, it's finals week. So I asked her to put those tests down. And, you know, we needed to talk and I let her know that her uh, behavior was just too much of an impact on the campus and there was too many parent complaints lately that she's not addressing and the one I got last night was just horrific to read and honestly I I just didn't see her making the efforts to be a good collaborator communicator and team player so I let her know that this would be her last day on campus and but she would get paid for the rest of the uh, school year and I told her to consider it an opportunity you know to get herself you know all back together you know in her life and move forward and Oh my gosh, she like immediately fell back, you know, limply into a desk. And, you know, for a second I thought she had fainted. And so I ran over to help her to make sure she didn't, you know, hit her head or anything. And she, she, don't you put your hands on me. And she ran over to her desk and, and, uh, and, and, and her laptop was open. And she was like, I don't know, maybe trying to delete files on her, on her computer. I wasn't sure what she was doing. And I, I walked over and I just asked her, you know, please stop and, 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 that you know you'll have time to get your personal belongings at another date and I closed her laptop and she just looked at me and then she looked over at the at the stack of the at the finals that she had created and she ran over to them and grabbing the big uh, pile of them and tried to tear them all in half like she was part of like world's strongest man competition I calmly walked over to her and said please you're making this a lot harder than it has to be it's not personal. We just, I just can't see us moving forward together. Now, at this point, I could hear, you know, students making noises outside as they were starting to line up at the door. And there was probably, you know, 20 kids there and the door was locked. And by that point, you know, my colleague came into the room and helped her find some of her personal belongings and walk her to her car. And I sent a text message to the SRO 
uh, the school resource officer who I had on call, he knew what was happening. I said, just, you know, please just make sure that she makes it home safely. I was like, you might have to drive, right? And, you know, she's, she didn't take it very well. So I walked over to the door, I unlocked it, and I let the class in and the substitute. And this sub just had an amazing rapport and trust with students. I was just, you know, thanking, uh, you know, the good Lord. And so I, I walked out of the class and I called my boss to let him know what had uh, transpired. And he said, so what did you learn? I was like, um, to let someone go at the end of the day? And he said, well, that's obvious. What did you really learn? Well, that I, that I'm not very good at hiring people. He's like, no, Tom, shovel the pile when it's small. And here's the learning, everyone. Don't miss this. Difficult conversations never get easier. The longer you wait, the less likely that you are to have them. And the worse that the outcome is going to be. Now, Todd Whitaker said in his his book, dealing with difficult parents. Um, now, you know, listeners, you're going to want to write this down and in, in your workbook, in your study guide, it's page four, I'm pretty sure. So he said, if you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to interact with difficult adults, you may become apprehensive about communicating with other adults. In other words, if you can't address the difficult folks, you will impact your relationship with your engaging and reliable employees. If you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to interact with difficult adults, you may become apprehensive about communicating with other adults. Whew. I mean, as a leader, you must declare noble intent and hold a mindset that 100% of the adults in your organization are doing the best that they can. Now, however, in this case, because I was not addressing the head on when they occurred, I was losing credibility with the rest of my staff. Now, as you lead your school, you are able to identify the teachers, right? Without looking at the data, like, you know who's gonna have the most office referrals or who's gonna spend, you know, who you're gonna spend the most time in the classroom this year. You know that. And my question to you is, did this change the way you communicated with them? or design your professional development to support them. Them personally, right? <laughs> Probably not. Now I wanna share with you another principle that's, that you know, was going on, and this was the lens principle. And this principle says that uh, we don't see others how they are. We see them how we are, right? This is, this is a leadership principle, PLE, right? We don't see others how they are. We see them how we are. And once we get our own act together, we will be able to help others get their acts uh, together. It's impossible, everybody, if I am an unhealthy leader, which I was, I was an unhealthy leader, to have healthy followers. I had to fix myself. We don't see others how they are. We see them how we are because each of us has his or her own, you know, you know, bent and experiences and, you know, colors that view and shape everything that we see. This is why we lead. We tend to lead by faulty assumptions. We tend to lead and treat everyone how we want to be treated 
how we learned, how we sacrificed, how we view the world in the school community. This is a, you know, this is a powerful lens because it's our lens. And, and what we need to realize is that we never truly communicate and connect with people until we get off our own agenda. I mean, this is why the DISC leadership profile that we use with our coaching and our consulting clients is so powerful. I mean, it gives them and us an inside look at how their personal wiring impacts how they're viewed, how, how they are viewed by others, how they communicate, their ideal working conditions and environment, their, their teamwork style and their strengths. I mean, you know, think about how powerful it would be if you had a blueprint for every one of your staff members. Now, if you've yet to take one of our DISC leadership profiles, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a goldmine for anyone who wants to live a better life, have a better, have a better relationships and accelerate their leadership and their personal growth. Now, if you're interested, you know, I'll be sure to share a link, you know, before I'm done here. But, you know, I've been studying human behavior now for six years, and it doesn't take me long to begin to unpack how to best communicate and uh, connect with other people. All because of DISC, right? And a lot of evaluative experience. <laughs> now, I've been on walkthroughs in effective and ineffective schools. And it, it doesn't take me, you know, 10 minutes in a classroom with a teacher to let you know whether or not they write a ton of referrals, right? Or, or need their hands held through the process if they're prepared and engaged with, with their kids. I mean, I love principal walkthroughs. And in fact, I think, you know, we got a training coming up. I think it's on the 21st, I believe. So, oh, all right, well, I'll stay on task, but <laughs> look, look, look in your email box. There will be an invitation to that. But, um, okay, so let's get to the seven uh, strategies, right? So, you know, I mean, if you're on the call right now, right, and you're not, you know, like uh, falling asleep, you might be saying, you know, finally, like, let's go. <laughs> so go to page four of your, of your study guide here. Um, so recently, while consulting for a charter school that was having challenges with their school culture, a group of teachers were complaining about their board not understanding their school, not attending school events or touring the school. So I asked one particular teacher, well, is that what you expect of them? Like, do they know that? Now, you know, I've been a board member for, you know, over six years, and I'd be really surprised if that's what the teachers expected of me. Now, an expectation is defined as believing that something is going to happen or believing that something should in a certain way. However, remember, any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. Now, I know I struggle with communicating clear expectations. It's something that I have to work on every single day. And I will allow my faulty assumptions and my lens, my lens principle to, to close that expectation gap, right? Which, which never leads to great, great results. And as a consultant and a coach for, you know, school leaders across the country, the, the lack of clearly understood and, and communicated expectations is the number one issue that I see in broken relationships and poor performing teams and the cause of most conflicts. And as a result, the organization suffers and people quit other people. They don't quit organizations, they quit other people. So at the very, very high level, here are, the, here are the seven steps that you can adopt to communicate clear expectations and are vitally important when leading difficult people. Now, you know, again, top of the wave so we can get to the most important step, which is the last one, because that's honestly why you came here. But I, but I feel like you need this foundation first. So, so, the first one, uh, so the first one is to get clear yourself. 
to get clear yourself. And if you're following along, I'm on page four of your workbook, right? So most things are crystal clear in your head, but if you can't clearly articulate them on paper, then you weren't ready to share them. So, so take 15 minutes and write out, not type each day, write out um, uh, uh, what, what it is that you really want to see in your school or in your organization or in your life. We've got a great you know, training on vision casting that's part of our empowerment mentoring program. It's a purpose, vision, goals. And I believe that without vision, uh, people perish. You know, people need to have an understanding of where we are going, what success will look like. If you're not sure, go observe or ask someone who leads an organization more successful than yours. I mean, it's hard to have vision when you've yet to open your eyes, everybody. Now, our a principal uh, consortium, which is part of our inner circle, is awesome for that. Now, you know, pre-COVID, we would take dozens of school leaders and visit the best schools here in North Carolina so they can see more so they can be more and actually november 8th it, it launches again we're going to meet in uh durham so if you want to you know be a part of that if you're not you know part of our principal consortium email me for those details right now rate yourself there on your clarity right so this is important that you're using your study guide uh you know to collect your thoughts but to also help you create an action plan okay so give yourself a rating on a clarity now the second step is to decide where you need to set expectations. Decide where you need to set expectations. Now think about where the gaps exist in the organization you lead, on your team, and the actions of those you lead. Results leave clues. And you need to figure out where you're falling short and define exactly what needs to change. Remember, an expectation is defined as believing that something is going to happen or believing that something should be a certain way. Any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. People need to and deserve to know what is expected of them. To be unclear is to be unkind, everybody. And in the absence of information, people just assume the worst, right? So if you expect something of me and do not tell me, but judge me on the results I got, like, are you following me here? Remember my story? I expected the teacher to adhere to uncommunicated expectations, to follow, to, to fall into line, to just be a part of, of what we had built. All right, so take the time to go back and reflect on each of those right now. All right, so the next step is understand the why. Providing others with the context and justification for expectations will increase the employee's accountability for meeting those expectations. Helping people understand and see the bigger picture and how they're meeting that expectation helps achieve the bigger picture goals. It, it will accelerate their uh, support, right? So like, you know, hey everybody, the reason why we clock in every day is one, so I can make sure that you're all safe and you made it to school today, right? And then two, we know that all the classes are covered, right? And you know, three, maybe most important, to make sure that your pay is accurate every month and you're, you know, getting, you know, every dollar that you know you earned. I mean, whatever those, you know, the why, right? To understand the why, whatever it may be of what you're trying, make sure people understand that. All right, number four. 
meet with the employees to discuss the expectations. Sit down with the employees, either individually or as a group. You know, it depends upon the circumstances, right, to discuss your expectations. Now, follow up with a memo or email. Do not start there. And be sure you ask them, what questions do you have? Okay. So this may be a big staff meeting first, small group meeting, or one-on-one. Don't just send a memo to everybody when one person or a small group of people are causing the problems. All right, let's check out that next step. Gain agreement and commitment at that meeting. So once you've documented your expectations, both you and the employee should read them and review them, right? You could have someone taking notes on a Google Doc. You could put them up on the whiteboard or like, you know, on a, on a poster board, whatever it is, right? Ensure that you and the team are on the same page and commit to the new expectations, Spend the last five minutes of the meeting specifically reviewing the expectations. Now, and I recommend that you and the employees or the employee sign off on a document, you know, somehow, just in case you need to revisit the issue later. Now, avoid like, everybody got it? Did you get the memo in your hands? Right? Are we good? Right? Just, just avoid it. You got to be specific. Tell me what you understand is your responsibility. Sometimes I leave out important details. What do you think your next steps are? What's the end result going to be? What questions do you have? Are you able to commit by Friday, October 1st at 5 o'clock to have this done? <laughs> right? Be very, very specific. So, so far, we're getting clear ourselves. We're deciding where we need to set expectations. We're understanding the why. We're meeting with employees to discuss the expectations. We're gaining agreement and commitment at the meeting. And then we're going to identify the current reality. Now, you cannot lead from behind your desk. You lead by walking around. Now, check in with your people. This happens the next day, within the next couple hours. Right? To ensure that they understand and are following through with those agreed upon expectations. Maybe schedule a one-on-one check-in. Right? Ask them what they're working on and how you can help. Like I like having benchmarks. And everybody's rope is a different length. So you may need to check in more regularly. Now, not micromanage people, but check in more regularly with certain people. And you could explain it this way, right? The last thing I want to do is for you to work on something that I did not clearly communicate. So when you get to this point, check back in. Let's make sure you're on the right path. I don't want to waste your time because I know sometimes, right, I don't, you know, communicate well or I don't, I don't share all the steps, right? You've got to take the fall here. You've got to lead, right? Lead people. So those are those first six steps. Now, let's look at number seven here. This is, this is what you showed up for. About time, everybody's saying, right? You're going to address the little things immediately. Little things eventually lead to big things. And remember, completing those 
first six steps is critical before you can create accountability. If you fail to follow that process I just shared, you, you likely won't be able to express your expectations clearly and thoroughly in this manner. And this is where we're going to dive deeper and, 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 and utilize the uh, remaining part of our time, okay? So um, I'm at page nine in my workbook. And, and so this is the framework that I use. So it's the V-R-U-O-L, role, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Vision, here's what I expected, right? This is what was agreed or committed to. Reality, here's what actually happened or here's what I heard or here's what I saw understanding so help me understand like how like how come you did it that way or how come this happened and then the o is opportunity now based upon their response and your expectations right this is where you get to close the gap right this is where you work to close the gap between the vision and the reality so you could share them you know a couple of strategies that they could try next time and then the most important step maybe here right is leadership. Ask how I could have explained it better. How could we, how could I have communicated this expectation so we would be at a better place now, right? This, this is important. This is where you give them a chance to give you feedback as a leader, right? Put your ego aside and do it. So here's, so here's an example. Um, all right, everyone, at next week's PLC meeting, we're going to be going over the first benchmark data. So what I need is for everyone to have their student data, including the most common questions missed by standard, uploaded into the Google Sheet by Friday at 5. Now, this gives you three days to complete. So either during your planning time or after school, I'm going to take these data uh, per every teacher and have a, a grade level by grade level breakdown for each for you on Monday. So this will provide you two days to look at all the data as a whole before we come back uh, together on Wednesday of next week. Okay, this, these were your expectations. <laughs> and if I followed the process correctly, right, everybody would be clear, we would have you know, committed to them. I may have had some people you know, repeat it back, whatever it is. So you wake up Saturday morning, right? And uh, one of your teachers, let's call him Tom Miller, <laughs> doesn't have his data in the system, leaving your work unfinished. You can't do one of the grade levels now. So first thing Monday morning, you show up. This is where the fun happens, right? So now I personally know, right, based upon Tom Miller's disk uh, style, that he's a C, right? He is focused on why we need to do it, right? He needs clear answers. He needs quality instructions. He needs to feel valued. He likes to be communicated using facts and details, not, not accusations, right? He, not subjective information, objective information. And Tom doesn't like small talk because he's don't, right? And it sounds something like this. Hey, Mr. Miller, uh, at the team meeting last Tuesday, we agreed and committed to having all of our data into the Google Drive on the sheet by 5 o'clock on Friday. But when I went to analyze all of the teacher's data over the weekend, I happened to notice that your data wasn't there. Can you help me understand uh, what happened? How come you weren't able to meet that commitment? Then you just listen. This is where you got to be able to listen. 
whatever the reason, right? Be present, be open, you know, uh, declare noble intent to Tom Miller. And you may respond back, well, I'm sorry to hear that you had an issue with, you know, getting the data uploaded. So I'm curious, you know, did you ask a teammate to help? Or did you reach out, you know, uh, to me? Did I, you know, did I miss your email, Tom? Now, Tom, I just want to tell you, the reason why I needed it by Friday is so you and your team would have all of the data this morning to look at during your uh, planning time and analyze, you know, before a meeting on Wednesday. I really wanted to make sure that you all had plenty of time to, um, you know, upload it on campus in case any issues, you know, came about, right? You know, we were here to help you. Now, is there someone on the team that you uh, trust to help you with any, you know, tech issues for the next time? Okay, so, and, and hey, Tom, here's, here's my cell, right? So you have it moving forward. So if you ever, ever run into an issue, especially if there's a deadline, you know, text me. I'm, I'm here to help you. Now, Tom, when do you think you can have this uh, data uploaded by today? 12 o'clock? Great, you got to, okay, perfect. So I look forward to seeing it all completed in the sheet by 12. Now, let me know how I can help you. You've got my cell phone, so you can text me if you're having a problem. Now, now Tom, you know, before you go, because I know you have duty, one more thing. Um, and I know you're a, uh, you know, process-oriented, and you may need to think on this one, but, you know, so I'm, I'm just curious. How can I have improved my, my communication or, you know, support to ensure next time that, you know, you're able to meet that timeline? Can you... You know, think on that and, you know, maybe you and I at the end of the day, we can just spend, you know, 10 minutes just, you know, maybe talking through that. So you have some time to process. Okay, great. I look forward to seeing your data. <laughs> now, when you have an understanding, right, you got to recommunicate the expectations. Like, you know, in fact, you might want to write your expectations down with your employer or team. So, so I may have gone back, right, and sent Tom an email, said, hey, thanks for your time. Just a reminder, here's, here are the specifics that I need in the Google Sheet, you know, by 12 as we, as we agreed. And that way there's not going to be any confusion later about the terms to which you agreed to. Now, if there's any areas within your organization that's not meeting its goals, I mean, first you have to, you know, identify what, what role do you have in the problem as the organizational leader or the team leader? And as leaders, you know, we must, we must strive to build clear expectations throughout our organization. And it, it has to start with us. You know, to see before and to see more. I mean, you know, leaders have to create that mental model of perfection of, of what they desire to see. You have to create a vision and then you, you need to go to your team and define it, define it collaboratively, right? This gets the team's buy-in. Then teach them what the steps are that they need to achieve the goal. Don't skip the teaching part, right? Show them how you expect them to do it. Let them practice it. Give them feedback and let them practice it again until they've mastered it. Now, here's one more piece of advice. You know, before you can reach for the hand, you have to reach for the heart, there needs to be a relationship more than a positional leadership, right? The relationship for this to truly begin to change behavior. You know, and this is why, you know, our team here at Leaders, uh, Bill and Le uh, Leaders, we're putting a, a, a program together that's solely based on building relationships. It's called School Leadership Made Real Simple. So 
look out for that. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, so, but as a leader, you have to be prepared for resistance, right? And and to have this very sim- this very simple conversation. Here's what we agreed to, right? Vision. But here's what I see, reality. So help me understand. Now. If the person, you know, becomes uh, defensive or starts to offer excuses, you can say, well, you know, you are aware, right? And then just, you know, fill in the blank of what they're doing instead of what they're supposed to be doing, right? Point out the behavior, point out the behavior. You got to separate the person from the behavior. Now, one tool that we've utilized to really gain this clarity in our communication and uh, collaboration workshops uh, which will be part of that school leadership made made a real simple program and some of our other DISC uh, programs. I mean, you know, this is where we bring the team together and, and we share our DISC uh, profiles to really gain an understanding and then have a healthy d- discussion around what communication and uh, collaboration will look like moving forward, right? What is our norms? What are our uh, commitments? Now, each member of the team gets to share their communication do's and don'ts based upon their personality style. We you know, gather around the conference table or a, a Zoom room and, and we share examples of what this might look like. I mean, we truly work to get to know each other and how they see things so then we can work to see it their way. So my uh, communication do's, right? As you know, like when communicating with Thomas, a chancellor, you know, do this. And I'm all about, <laughs> talk about uh, solutions, not problems. Um, uh, and also um, really uh, let me in on the bigger picture because I'm a very visionary person. And and I want to agree with facts and ideas rather than, you know, um, with, you know, someone's opinion, okay? Now, do not do this. Don't do all the talking. <laughs> And don't only focus on problems or be pessimistic. You're going to lose me there, right? Now, you see, for people to go along with you, they need to get along with you. Bossing people around, you know, directing them without hearing them, that's that's not going to work. Rules without relationships equals resistance. And every time leaders are with your people, right, two or more, you should be sharing the purpose, vision, and goals. I mean, that's that's you know, you know, something else that we can help you with. You know, we offer you know thinking partner sessions to really help you gain this clarity. Now, let's quickly talk about if the person is hurtful and harmful to your school's culture. Now, knowing their DISCA profile, right? If you've had maybe your whole you know staff do it, or you know if they're on your team, you know you know you may have some insight about how they would respond under pressure and conflict. So that's you know graph two. Um, and for me, I respond to pressure seeking control and accuracy, right? It's got to be my way and on my timeline, which is not healthy for sometimes the people around me. So if we go back to that, you know, previous example, right, about the, um, you know, data in the Google sheet, he said, hey, you know, Mr. Miller, um, when you didn't have your data uploaded into the Google Drive at the time that we all agreed to it, it made me feel as though that it was not that important to you and you didn't care about the rest of the team or namely me, right? Now, as a result, you know, my trust that you can be an effective member of this team is waning. And if it happens one more time, I'm gonna have to place you on an action plan. 
right? Feelings, behavior, impact. Now, a second example, right? And these are in your workbook here. So, uh, hey, you know, here's you know something a little bit different. Hey, uh, Mr. Miller, uh, today you were late for the team meeting. You also seemed a little unprepared. Is everything okay? Well, you know, when you're late or unprepared for a meeting that you uh, schedule, it it makes me feel like our time together isn't is valuable to you. And I I can't speak for the rest of the team, but I would think that they would agree. And if this uh, continues, I'm really concerned that you're going to lose the trust and the respect of your team, which which will lead me to have to make a decision in you know regard to your overall responsibilities and position in the organization. So so how will you work to meet these expectations of, you know, uh, being on time and uh, prepared? How can I help you reach that goal? Right. So this one's a little bit different. And, you know, you may want to when you say you you also seem a little unprepared. Right. You could give specific examples because certain people uh, may take offense. Right. You know, so unprepared would be you didn't have all of your notes with you. Um, right, or you left something uh, behind, or something was incomplete, you know, whatever it is. So be specific, uh, you know, um, especially uh, depending upon their personality style. So let's uh, finish up strong here. So um, these are the uh, D's and C's of effective communication, all right? Let's go through the D's and C's of effective communication. So the next time you have to have a difficult conversation, remember too, um, do it quickly, right? Shovel the pile when it's small. Do it calmly, never in anger. Use candor and care. Do it privately. You want to help the person, not embarrass them, even if they embarrassed you. And do it thoughtfully in a way that minimizes embarrassment or intimidation. Now, your C's. Now, this is on the top of page 14 of your workbook now. You want to, uh, with confidence, right? Confidence. The feeling or belief that everyone can rely on you, right? Clarity. The quality of being coherent and, and intelligible, right? You know, the quality of, you know, transparency. And the last C is common ground, right? You want to seek to understand the individuals finding out about their family, their occupation, their recreation and their and their mission, right? And this means to truly seek to understand the individuals we lead. So you know, remember to lead is to be influential, is to be an influence, right? You know, people need to know, like, and trust you before they will give you permission to lead them. And some actions, you know, to find common ground, just might be asking questions and listening, and or intentionally spending time, not just in work-related activities, but maybe outside of the workplace. Now, false beliefs of some leaders are that I don't have the time to get to know everyone, right? Another one is my life's or stories are no one else's business. And, you know, one I hear all the time is they should do a great job for their paycheck, right? You know, these are all faulty assumptions. Now, let me ask you this. How much time do difficult people take from your day? How much you know energy are you leaking? I mean, you know, this includes mental capacity and time and and I've learned that if you don't prepare in the front end, you will be repairing on uh, the back end. So if you don't feel that you have the time or are not ready to invest the time, like one strategy that has changed my life is DISC uh, personality profile. And this helps you build understanding of yourself and those that you lead. And, 
you know, finding common ground is, a, is crucial for every leader. And a DISCA profile can help you do that. I mean, here's, you know, one example from when it helped me when I was mentoring a teammate and, you know, you know, I was using all the form questions, right? You know, family, occupation, recreation, and mission. And, and one day, I, you know, I was just asking her about her dissertation, you know, during a team lunch, and she slammed her fist down and said, stop asking me questions. It's none of your business. Now, about a month later, I took that, you know, a, a DISC profile, and it really blew my mind how accurate it was, especially the challenges that I had been, you know, having on the team. So I, you know, duplicated the test, and I gave it to my teammates, and, and my mentee was on the other side of the spectrum from me, where, where she needed clear instructions, I needed recognition. Where she valued quality answers, I was fine with uh, failing forward. She loved rules and uh, policy where I looked for loopholes. I mean, I was the tigger to her rabbit, right, in creating chaos. And we had to go on a work trip. And I, you know, I decided, you know, you know, uh, to give her her own profile. And, and, and so it, you know, it included answers like time to think and a clear process. And, and so, you know, so in uh, return, you know, we went on a hike, right, visited classrooms and really got a feel for the community. Now, after 48 hours of this time together, she finally asked me a personal question. What was your first car? I knew that I had finally earned her trust. DISC has taught me the difference between task-oriented people and people-oriented people. And over 80% of the conflict on a team is based upon tasks versus people, right? It's you know, kind of like task-oriented people think that people-oriented people are lazy and people-oriented people think that task-oriented people are mean. I mean, no offense to task-oriented people in the, in the Zoom, I'm, uh, I'm uh, one of them. Right? And I just administered our, uh, our you know, DISC impact report yesterday to um, you know, an exceptional children's director. And, you know, and as she said to me, she goes, you know, the uh, detail and the accuracy of this report is amazing. And she's a high C, which means that she's cautious and, and you know, contemplative and detail-oriented. And so this, this uh, report was right up her alley. It's full of graphs and details. And even though you know, you know, I have a lot of I and me, you know, the inspiring influencer, I, you know, I agree with her. These uh, reports are really awesome. So we avoid difficult conversations, you know, because of the awkwardness and the uncomfortable nature of the situation. But if you're intentional about, you know, setting the right tone and having the right body language, the tools and the framework to hold the conversation that are going to get you to positive income, that, you know, difficult conversation will get easier. And you know, I believe that your you know, success will be determined by the number of difficult conversations that you're willing to have, not just with difficult people, but with, with others that you may perceive are ahead of you. So if you have yet to take your DISC personality profile, uh, please do it. There's a, you know, there's a link in the program. You can go to our website and, you know, you know uh, search uh, DISC, but there's a link here. Um, go, go ahead and take the disc. I guarantee you it's going to change your world. Hope this added value. Keep making a difference, everybody. It'll work if you work it.